0: No is necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Impact of Influence: The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth.
1: Hello, listeners. Uh, as you can tell, Matt is not here. We are passing the torch this week, and he has headed down to Walterboro to attend the hearing. And I am in studio with. Our fabulous producer, Dwayne. So, this is kind of a little bit of a bonus episode. We want to go over some of these witnesses. We have, I think, what, 255 people on the potential witness list. So, we have Sarah joining us. She has done a deep dive into this witness list, and we're going to kind of go over who she thinks may be interesting for one reason or another. So, welcome, Sarah.
0: Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm planning on um, going down to Walterboro for a couple of days this week and seeing some of this for myself. So Sarah, let's start breaking down this witness list. Uh, Well, I'll I'll be honest. Some of these folks, I, I wasn't even sure who they might be until I listened to some of the testimony this week. And it's highlighted some of these names and given us just kind of an introduction. So that's made my role here a bit easier, I think that we're all interested to hear from the caretakers um, there's you know two little groups of caretakers. there are the caretakers at Moselle, and then there are the caretakers for Miss Libby at her house at Moselle We've heard um now about Roger Dale Davis, who was the caretakers for the dogs, and he was there that day. There were some questions about some impressions of of tire tracks that it sounds as if they have pretty well determined that those were from his vehicle from having been there earlier that day. But we don't know yet what time he was there, how long he was there, who he saw when he was there.
1: And we did hear in testimony this week about water that was found around Paul's body. And this may have been some sort of attempt to clean up, but it could have also been a cleanup of the dog kennel. So this witness could give us information about this.
0: Another one of the caretakers that we've heard a little bit about so far is C.B. Rowe. Um, We, we being the folks in the community, started hearing his name very early on as a disgruntled caretaker who had been fired and, and all of this. But we hear from the testimony this week that he was not fired. They had been having some issues with him and they were considering letting him go and Alec did speak with him on the phone that night to discuss some issues that he had had, but he did not fire him.
1: I thought that was really interesting. We'd have seen C.B. Rose's name from the beginning all over social media, and there were rumors about him having been fired. So to me, that was new
0: information. He did say that this gentleman and Paul got along Very well, and that Paul had been working with him. I don't know a lot about this gentleman, but I do know that he he did work for a time at Paul's school, Thomas Hayward Academy. It's on the public record that he had a a criminal charge for having a relationship with a student there. I don't know if Alec was aware of that or not.
1: Well, what was his background, and why would
0: Alec have hired him? Um, His background tends to be in forestry management. So it would make sense that they would have him out there managing and and taking care of the fields. But he did speak with him on the phone that night around the time of the murders. So I'm very interested to see what he's got to say. Isn't there an Eddie Smith connection? When cousin Eddie was going through his lie detector test, he alleged an improper relationship with Mr. Rowe and Maggie. And
1: in Ellick's interview with Sled, the night of the murders, he tells the Sled officer that CB was not living up to expectations.
0: Correct. But he did say that Paul liked him and was working with him. But he did he did have kind of a outlandish claim about his his ties with the uh Navy SEALs and and all of this kind of stuff. And he did say that Paul had recorded part of that conversation because he was so blown away by it. So who knows, we may get to hear a little bit of that.
1: I had a hard time following it. It says something about Black Panthers. I just I really listening to it. I was unclear about this story. And I do. I am very interested to hear more about it.
0: The long and short of it was that he had gotten into a fight with someone. These agents were watching him fight and were so impressed by this that they brought him onto this team to kill black panthers in the area. Um never heard of this before. <laughs> very strange. It seems very far-fetched. Yes. But if he's got it recorded, I- I'm I'm hoping we're going to hear that. Me too.
1: What about Miss Libby's caretakers?
0: Moving on to mom's caretakers, there are at least 3 that I can identify that I think there may be as many as five. One that they mentioned was um, Barbara Mixon, and Barbara Mixon was her daughter is a classmate of mine and John Marvin's, and good people. She was actually mentioned in Mister Randolph's obituary as a as a special friend, as well as Gloria Satterfield's obituary as a special friend. So they were all obviously very close. Um, so i'm I'm very, very curious to hear what she has to say um about this whole situation. Another one that I believe is a caretaker is Michelle Smith. She's Randy's age, and um she went to our high school as well. so i I believe that she is also one of the caretakers. There is another caretaker named Melyn Haynes. What I thought was interesting about her is that um, she was also the caretaker for Monk Lafitte, who is the father of Elizabeth Lafitte Malinowski. And she was one of the caretakers that was thanked in his obituary for taking such good care of him in his final days. So there's a Lafitte connection there, which is always interesting. You know, small community, right?
1: Yes, for sure. There are a lot of connections. And we may hear a little bit about this blue raincoat
0: according to whoever their witness is and we don't know but it sounds as if it's one of the caretakers it sounds as if they witnessed this one week after i believe is what creighton said in his opener yes and what was unusual about that was that the the supposed gunshot residue was on the inside of the jacket I would venture to think that for many of us that live in that area, we probably all have some gunshot residue on our jackets uh, at some point or another, but you would expect it to be on the outside.
1: Maybe the presumption is that a weapon was wrapped up in this raincoat? Yeah, but I could not imagine
0: where it would have been in that one week.
1: We have a ton of law enforcement officers on this list, so obviously we're not going to go through all of them, but are there
0: any that stick out to you? Um, One of the law enforcement officers that's on that list that I do want to talk about because I just, I, I found the man to be so incredibly interesting is Dylan Hightower.
1: Yes, I remember there was a lot of controversy about him being at the scene because he was with the solicitor's office, which Alec had been a volunteer at the solicitor's office. But why does he stand
0: out to you? Dylan Hightower is from the upstate But he came to USC Saukahatchee, which is the University of South Carolina's campus in Allendale, South Carolina. Hightower was brought to Allendale for a baseball um, scholarship and then transferred up to the main campus. While he was there earning his bachelor's in sociology, he also went through a SLED certification program. He graduated and completed that program both in 2011. Duffy Stone at that time. Hired him, and he became the first SLED certified and trained crime analyst hired by any state solicitor's office in the state of South Carolina. What makes that important is that because he is SLED certified, he has access to all of SLED's resources, which means if someone is charged in state court by the solicitor's office, This gentleman can then do a full background check into their criminal history and everything else, just as if SLED could. In addition to to those credentials, um, in 2011, right after he started, he and Duffy Stone launched an intelligence unit. And in 2017, and this is when it gets interesting for me, In 2017, the Solicitor's Office and the ATF, which is the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, formed a task force to um, combat gun violence. He was appointed as a member of the ATF Violent Crimes Task Force and sworn in by the U.S. Marshal Service. That Later that same year... The 14th Solicitor's Office, 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office was recognized by the South Carolina Investigators Association, along with other state and federal agencies, for their role in prosecuting members of rival Collington County gangs, the Wild Boys and the Cowboys. Wow. So they were part of the gang unit of the year. Hightower was the Region 5 coordinator for the South Carolina Gang Investigators Association. Very interesting for me because he is on gun violence task force. He's on gang task force. He prosecuted members of the Cowboys. Do you think
1: any of the members of this Cowboy gang are on the witness list? I have seen
0: nothing that looks that way to me. Granted, there are a few names on here that I don't recognize. Nothing looked applicable in either party. I I don't know is the short answer.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, I like to say I don't know a lot.
0: So where do we want to go next? (laughs) Of course, we have many people from the Palmetto State Bank. And just a quick run over those, because I think we've all heard those names and we're all familiar with those names from following the Russell Lafitte trial. But, you know, there's Norris Lafitte, Becky Lafitte, Russell Lafitte, Charlie Lafitte Jr., Charlie Lafitte III, Gray Lafitte, Mark Altman, Carrie Sauls, Chad Westendorf, John Peters, which I don't know if if people put this together during Russell's trial, but John Peters works with Palmetto State Bank as a vice president for compliance, but his father was Bob Peters, who was the P -P in PMPED. The Lots of connections in, oh, yes. in, in
1: multiple different ways, crisscrossing.
0: I was interested in um, Paul's friends. There were some local friends, and then there were some friends from Columbia. Um, the local friends were Nathan Tootin, his brother Nolan Tootin, and Rogan Gibson. And if we look back at the, um, the sled interview that took place inside the vehicle, Ellick had mentioned that Nolan was there. He called Nolan. Nolan came to the property. So Nolan was there while he was giving that interview. When he told the officer he called three people, he called Randy, he called John Marvin, and he called, as he described, a little boy that lives around the corner. He clarified later that that was Rogan, and Rogan and Nolan were both two of the people that they collected DNA swaps on. So you you would see those names mentioned in the DNA reporting. Rogan is the owner of the dog that Paul was videoing, and so he would have been the recipient of that final Snapchat.
1: He was probably one of the last people to communicate with Paul.
0: That's what it sounds like. What do you think Rogan may testify about? So he would have, he would be able to not only you know discuss the content of that video, but then he's probably going to be able to discuss Paul's frame of mind, Paul's mood, you know, any concerns, any small talk, that kind of thing since he was communicating with him at that time so i I'm curious to hear what he's got to say um the the house that that the Murdox lived in. Um, in Hampton on Holly street extension was next door to the Gibson's house. So, so those boys, you know, there were two Gibson boys and two Murdoch boys and they were all around the same age range. So they were very good friends and neighbors for a long time. It's Wild Wild Pest, the deep dive podcast about the South's most notorious outlaws. Palmetto Pete and his posse were the nastiest cockroaches you could ever fear to meet. Loop. Trespassing, loitering, scaring innocent folk when they turned on the light. No thanks. And that's not to mention all the diseases the germ-ridden no-good nicks were known to spread. Oh, no. Oh, yes. But fear not, Terminix was on the case with all the skills, experience, and tools needed to outdraw the outlaws. Learn more at TrustTerminix.com.
1: And another thing that you and I discussed was these friends could possibly talk about the threats that Paul was receiving in relation to the boating accident I think right Alec brings up in this tape that he got a black eye that leads me to
0: his Columbia friends so his Columbia friends I looked them up and yes, they are all from Columbia, but a couple of them went to the citadel and today live in Charleston and if we remember from the testimony Alex said that Paul had gone to Charleston and came back with a black eye so it makes me think that these young men may have been with him and that's um, Will Loving, Wills Chapman, Wills Chapman's brother Charles Chapman and his cousin Frank Chapman So they're all from the Columbia area, but they live in Charleston. So like I said, it it sounds very plausible that these may have been the young men he was with when that assault happened.
1: Yes. And there were reports that Paul's off-campus apartment in Columbia was searched and that possibly a laptop was seized. Do we know which one of these young men
0: that he was living with at the time? that we don't know because he hasn't named him he didn't say who is unless i missed it which is possible but he didn't say his roommate at that time he said he was about to move into a house with will loving and wills chapman okay
1: so we know we have all of the members of pmpd now known as parker's law group anything jump out at you there
0: not particularly. Um, they they named a lot of the attorneys there, and they also named a lot of, I'm just going to blanket statement and say admins. Some of the ladies are paralegals, some are legal assistants, some are administrative assistant, assistants, but they did um, name a lot of the admins and all of the attorneys.
1: Who was the attorney in the vehicle with Ellick while he was being interviewed by SLED the night of the murders?
0: One of those attorneys is Danny Henderson, and that's who was actually with Alec acting as his personal attorney that night. He practices out of Ridgeland, which is over in Jasper County. So he doesn't work out of that Hampton office with the rest of them. But he did report to the scene. He was there with Alec during that first official interview. So Danny sat with him during that interview. So I imagine that's what we're going to hear is, you know, when did you arrive? What did he say when you arrived? You know, all, what was your advice, all of these kinds of things.
1: Okay. So a lot, also, we've got a lot of witnesses that are, seem to be tied to the financial crimes. It hasn't been totally decided if the financial stuff is going to be brought in or not. So that could really cut down this witness list.
0: One of the things I found super interesting there was, uh, you know, we have Michael Gunn on the list and Michael Gunn is a principal and senior settlement coordinator at Forge Consulting in Columbia. What I did not realize until I dug into this a little further is that he was personal friends with Alec and Maggie. And in fact, one of the, the photos that was going around was the two of them getting onto a private plane and, that was a trip where they had flown up to New York to go to Michael Gunn's wedding and um, and and taken this private plane back home. So when he opened that Forge account to, you know, to mimic Forge Consulting, this was somebody that he was personal friends with.
1: It, it, uh, he, I know it's kind of crazy that it did seem like he was willing to do this stuff to people he knew, people he'd. And associated with for long periods of time. Yeah. Well,
0: and then we're we're gonna see uh Blanca Simpson. Blanca Simpson is a is a person we've been hearing a lot about. She um she's the the housekeeper, um, both at Edisto and and out at Moselle. And my understanding of um I know we had heard some of the jailhouse calls that Ella could been asking Buster about getting in touch with Blanca, and Buster was not totally pleased with Blanca at the time, but my understanding from, from personal friends of mine who you know are kind of closer to this situation and have heard things was that they did not want Buster to have to pack up Maggie's things because it would be so painful for him. And so they hired Blanca to do that. It, I'm curious to see what she's got to say. And then, and then we also know she was involved in in a case where she started out as a translator and ended up as a um, claimed to be a, a power of attorney.
1: That's my sense of why she's being called to testify. Let's move on to a couple of physicians who've been named on this witness list and why they may have been called.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know um, what the capacity here is going to be, but we've got two Hampton physicians that are on the list, both that have been there for a long time, both well-known, both well-regarded. Um, Dr. Lewis Vega, he's a primary care physician in Hampton, and Dr. Glenn Welker, who's a primary care physician in Hampton. It may be that um, they were Ellick's physicians. It may have something to do with Maggie's... Uh, doctor visit in Charleston that day? We don't know. But these are both uh, two folks that that I am very familiar with and, and have been in the area for a long time, both well-respected guys. And so I, I'm very curious on on that one. They might
1: have some information about this alleged opioid addiction.
0: Who knows? It could be. We we don't know. I know that Alec had a lot of injuries from his football career early on. The other
1: possibility is they could have knowledge about him attending rehab.
0: That could be. That could be. Um, I did notice that there was a. Uh, Harold Matheson, who's a partner at Charleston Area Appraisals. So I'm wondering if he's going to be the one um, who they speak with about Palmetto State Bank and trying to get an appraisal on the Beach House and what the issues were there. Um, There's also an attorney on the list, Amy Bauer. So Amy Bauer was with hainsworth Sinkler, Boyd up until March of 2021. While she was there, she represented Alec in the Beach Wrongful Death Action. She left Hainsworth-Sinclair Boyd in March 2021 and joined the U.S. Attorney's Office, where she's now an assistant U.S. attorney. So she would be, I'm assuming, um, privy to some of the details in the financial crimes maybe around russell lafitte um but very interesting that she was on Alex's team for a while and and is now with the u.s attorney's office so the questions they have for her i am very curious to hear <laughs> me too
1: all right so next where are we going
0: they they're calling a CPA from Hampton her her name is Alice Hazel and um she has been a CPA in Hampton for longer than I can remember very very well respected um and i, I don't know where she would fit into all of this i don't know if she maybe handled some of Ellick's tax returns on a personal level um but I, that was a name that was, was interesting for me to see on that list.
1: Well, there was a last-minute write-in, and you found this one particularly interesting. Why? I find this
0: one to be a genius move for the defense. Philip Strother, as, as all of us in Hampton will know, coached Strother. He was the vice principal at Wade Hampton High School, and then he also coached basketball, And Ellick and Russell Lafitte um, both play basketball uh, in their first couple of years at Wade Hampton. And then I I know with Ellick, he focused in on on football and baseball in his last couple of years. Um, But Coach Strother started coaching basketball in Hampton in 1974. He has taken Wade Hampton to two state championships. He, in 1990, had his 300th career victory, and that was his 14th season. He left Wade Hampton High School and closed the book on 15 years of coaching and um, became the deputy superintendent of the Hampton School District 1. He did that, and I can't confirm when he left that position, but he did that for a number of years. And then in 2014, he was elected to the Hampton School District 1 Board of Trustees. And little side note, he defeated Greg Alexander for that seat.
1: And for the people who don't know, Greg Alexander has been longtime law enforcement in the area, and he received some sort of loan, which he claims was a loan to his parents, from Ellick shortly after the murders of Maggie and Paul. And there's been a lot of speculation about him.
0: OK, Sarah, let's
1: go back to Philip
0: Strother. He has served on the, the Hampton School District Board of Trustees until, I believe, 2021. And he served alongside Miss Libby Murdoch for several years. If we remember, Miss Libby Murdoch, Ellick's mother, was a schoolteacher teacher. And she served on the school board for a number of years before her health took a turn. So um, he served with her for a while. He was named the chair of the Board of Trustees in 2018. And in 2021, he received the South Carolina School Board Association Level 6 Leadership Award, which is the highest level of recognition that they have, and was serving as the chairman at that time. Um, Coach Strother is a staple in our community.
1: It does sound like he is pretty legendary, and I'm thinking he's going to be some sort of character witness for Alec. I would think so. Do you think
0: Coach Strother is well-known in the community? Coach Strother is recognized in Hampton County, but he's probably going to be recognized in Colleton County as well.
1: Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This has been very informative. Well, thanks for having me. All right. We will talk soon. Yes, ma'am. And we will be covering everything from Walterboro next week, filling you in on all the latest. And if you would like to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at com or on our Facebook page, which is Murdoch Podcast. We will talk soon. It's Wild
0: Wild Pest, the deep dive podcast about the South's most notorious outlaws. Palmetto Pete and his posse were the nastiest cockroaches you could ever fear to meet. Nope. Trespassing, loitering, scaring innocent folk when they turned on the light. No thanks. And that's not to mention all the diseases the germ-ridden no-good nicks were known to spread. Oh no. Oh yes, but fear not, Terminix was on the case with all the skills, experience, and tools needed to outdraw the outlaws. Learn more at TrustTerminix.com.